Hello and welcome fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're welcoming John Newman V, assistant professor at Viterbo University, marketing consultant and co-owner of Wrench and Roll in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Welcome, John. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we are really glad you're able to join us today. And I need to, before we get into what I think is going to be a great conversation with you, just based on the two minutes that we have talked already before we started recording, I need to send a special shout out uh, to one of your former students and our teammate, Nick Mulliver, for getting us connected. I know he he thinks the world of you. And it is so, it's so much fun to hear him, you know, hear him talk about the things he learned studying under you. And he was really excited to get you connected. And he edits the podcast. So he at least will hear this part of it and know that we're all wishing him well. Outstanding. Uh, That makes me very happy to hear that he'll have to spend time again listening to me beyond the multiple (laughs) hours that he sat classes and 8 a.m.s and interning underneath me. Yes, a special shout out to you, Nick. (laughs) Uh, Wonderful. So why don't you start off by just telling us a little about your background, whatever you want to share, and what led you uh, to where you are and what you're doing today? Yeah, uh, I appreciate a good, broad, open-ended question. I'm trying to think, where do I start? Um, I will acknowledge that I think for a good portion of, you know, through high school and graduating, I was a bit of a rudderless shit. Um, I never really kind of knew... um, I didn't really have a calling. I didn't really have an idea. I always knew that I enjoyed being creative and I definitely have some like creative chaotic energy, like one too many thoughts scattered in a million directions of, of what could this be? And I always, yeah, I always caught myself daydreaming and wondering. And, and I knew that that was kind of a core piece of, of who I am and, and what maybe eventually I could create a strength of my own as, but um, I came to uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, pretty much by chance. I had a dear friend of mine who was going to get to, or going to go to UWL. Um, at the same time, uh, she was kind of prodding me, you know, John, have you uh, applied for college? Have you done your ACT? And I was like, no, but I probably should, huh? <laughs> um, and it just happened that I was like, looking, I have an aunt that lives here in La Crosse, and uh, she was going to the state school, which I was like, I probably don't know if I can get into UWL. Um, But I was looking at my options here. And I found Viterbo. I had no idea what I wanted to do at Viterbo. um, But I read through and I saw. And yeah, eventually wound up here. Um, Spent four years really figuring out and finding myself and I guess, finding my rudder of like, where in which direction initially started with general business, got into marketing, really got excited. I mean, to think back to that time it was probably around 2014. So when really social media was taking off, um, <clears throat> we were seeing this transition from, you know, just the, the images and posts to video starting to come out. Snapchat had just been launched. Um, and it really felt like to me a place where you could try, right? The the When we look at content and how ephemeral it really is right it's here one day and gone so if if we make a little mistake we try something and it doesn't totally work it felt like a really interesting kind of creative space to play in Um, I eventually graduated from Viterbo and started at uh, Organic Valley which is local here in Lafarge and Cashton Um, I started answering phones uh, really focusing on our customer service so 
I had friends all over the place that were calling me for coupons and giving me <laughs> feedback on products. And oh yeah, it was it was outstanding. But I really got a good insight to Organic Valley, the business and the brand. And then after about six months, I transitioned into a social media coordinator position. I was uh, in that role and kind of different um, uh, iterations of that role and eventually being a social media manager. So I was with Organic Valley for about four years. Uh, in the meantime, I had gotten my MBA back at Viterbo again. Um, I have a way of saying that uh, Viterbo kind of has me hooked. I can't quite shake it <laughs> now. After Organic Valley, I started teaching here full time. Um, and yeah, while I was at Organic Valley, I got to travel and meet all of our wonderful farmers, not all, but a good portion of them. I traveled all over the, the country from the East Coast to the West Coast, live streaming, interviewing, uh, working with our content development team to share the good work that we were doing. And again, really being able to explore and try and sometimes fail. But surprisingly, a lot of times it was, yeah, it was still kind of the wild west of social, um, but incorporating those learnings. so. Mm -hmm. I've been teaching for a while now. Uh, this is my fourth year. Um, on top of like a little side uh, consulting work that I do, my brother and I last year, we were just about to celebrate our one year of ownership, took over a bike shop here in La Crosse. So I was just spending my morning actually uh, reviewing new products that we're going to get into the store, really trying to narrow down our brand and our identity. So what what can we have in shop to to help mirror like the the vibe that we're trying to curate? Yeah, that's a little blurb. That's hey, that was a great nice. blurb. Yeah, and I I resonate so entirely with that idea of chaotic energy being being able to channel that into marketing like that that is uh in a big bad way. I <laughs> I feel that <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm glad somebody gets it because yeah, it's, it's it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and you know, I'm sure there's other specialties that have similar um, advantages or maybe some freedoms that come with certain channels like social media, where you can kind of treat it like a sandbox every now mm -hmm. and then, you mm -hmm. know, and learn some things, try some things, be comfortable with something not working, you know, and there's there's other stuff in marketing where I think you kind of have to look at some things in that way where, hey, you know, we, we've got everything that we... Uh, are prepared uh, to do or share based on what we think might work. And we also know that it might not, you know, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, uh, there's other professions speaking of my preferences and um, that organized chaos that we might experience. And I think I thrive in um, there's other careers and specialties where maybe that same freedom isn't there. And that would not be a place for me, you know, Nope. I learned very quickly. I think it was my first internship in college. I was technically underneath like a marketing umbrella, but I was uh, doing like pricing analyst or mm -hmm. analyzing prices and cost. And I learned very quickly that I was like, you know, not just all of marketing, but yeah, a very specific part that I think I would do well in. Yeah. Spreadsheets <laughs> and numbers. I mean, I can crunch, but not preferably. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, between teaching and consulting and, uh, bike shop. I mean, you got a lot going on, which sounds super exciting. How do you balance it all? Um, that's a very good question. If you would ask do you partner, balance it all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, partner, probably not all too well. It's definitely, I feel like I'm at a, a point of like where the flower has bloomed and now I got to figure out like what are going to be the, the healthiest petals, right? I need to really 
that's a challenge in myself too, right? Acknowledging my kind of chaotic nature of uh, making sure, like I, I always have this ambition of like, I love the idea of opportunity. I love the idea of trying and exploring and new, but I'm also, as I get a little bit further into my career and as I'm getting closer to 30 now, I'm like, okay, like what, what have I reflected on? What's been really good? What is filling me up extrinsically? So dollar wise, like what's helping me pay <laughs> out those remaining student loans, but also intrinsically too, like what, um, what makes you smile? What makes like, you know, that, like that warm feeling of uh, whether it's, you know, we're at the shop and we're helping out uh, folks in need or when I'm at school and I see like a light bulb moment or I get an email from somebody who says, you know, graduated, landed the job. Like those are the things that I feel. So I think it's just, yeah, it, it's tough. I've been having to do a lot of that reflection lately about, you know, what's giving me energy, what's taking away from it. and. Um, yeah, what do I need to start prioritizing? Because yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to say yes, it's for me, incredibly hard to say no, but I'm definitely value or understanding the importance of that. It's, um, I feel also that over the last few years, I, I've used the metaphor of like, if you take the pic or picnic blanket, and you kind of like shake it, and everything flies up in the air, and that I was very much all my plates and food and everything was up. But now it's finally really beginning to land in a really beautiful spot. I think with all the parts and pieces that I have going um, through, you know, chance and through a little bit of like thought and planning, um, everything is kind of feeding itself. It's become like a very nice little cyclical nature of um, with the shop, I'm able to have internship positions and part-time positions for current students that are looking for work. Through my consulting, I'm able to bring in uh, examples, projects, even again, internship positions for my students. Um, and I'm able also to still nurture that, like, again, that creative side of trying and staying up to date um, and learning too, right? Of like, what are the, of the clients, of the projects that I want to work on, which are going to be the ones that are going to be the most fun and I'm really going to be able to invest myself in. I love that. It's out, you know, it's interesting how talking about or putting the question out there about how you balance it instead of responding with, well, I spend X amount of time at the bike shop. I spend X amount of time, you know, this <laughs> like mathematical balance that might bring peace of mind to some. The balance you talk about is creative fulfillment, um, mm -hmm. inspiration, providing opportunities for others and and being open to um you know, the chance that's involved in all of that too. And that may be informing where your priorities lie or what you're doing right now. That that's, uh, you, it sounds healthy. You sound so healthy right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've gotten to a place of very healthy. Um, I will say I was definitely in a reactive state for a long time, especially, you know, taking over a business, learning how to teach. Like those are, are skills that I was not entirely equipped with. I would say I'm great at forming relationships. I'm great at getting to know people, but with jobs like being a professor, am I excellent at grading? I mean, yes, I will grade well. Will I do it always on time? No, right? <laughs> These things that do require me to be on that other side of the spectrum, right? I've really had to challenge and figure out, right? There is some structure. I know with myself that um, I'm becoming a little bit more proactive than reactive. So it's interesting too, just knowing myself and the different kind of energy levels I have throughout the day. So like, for me, it's been a lot of um, where where is my 
um, I guess I was going to think of like my brain as a computer, like my highest computing power is definitely in the morning. So what are the tasks that I need to do that are going to really kind of drain me or tax me and are going to require like a ton of focus? Because I know towards the end of the day, once I've started talking to a bunch of people in my lectures or responding to emails, like all I want to do is go walk around in my backyard and like with <laughs> the birds and water my house plants and do those kinds of things so it's been it's it's like intense structure but yeah I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm very like today I'll be at the bike shop from here to here and it's it's kind of up here but it's never on paper yeah <laughs> well I do I have to say though that speaking as somebody who's sort of who's sort of I hate to say this even on the other end of that journey mm -hmm. like uh in my career I think it took me and a lot of the people around me a long time to get to the point where you're at to be thinking like what are the things that fill my cup what are the things that drain my cup how do I balance so that I end every day with something left in my cup <laughs> you know uh, I think you usually see people particularly as they are like in that mid-20s up to 30 range saying like I'm I'm just going to give it I'm going to give every, every single thing I have and like, and then burn out Yeah, and yeah. have, have a mid like midlife crisis at 32. <laughs> I like to say that I had like a quarter life crisis at 25. Ah, um, okay. Okay. I very much, you know, yeah, leading in the early twenties, I don't know. It was kind of a terrible quote that I had heard, but again, like I was a little rudderless. So I was trying to figure out what I should be doing. Um, again, with foresight and planning not being one of my ultimate strengths. So like, okay, I got a decade of time here. What am I doing? And I think the quote was like, <clears throat> grind in your 20s, mind in your 30s, unwind in your 40s. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. I'll just, I've got the energy now. I can, I can grind through it. I can take on as much. I can try to invest as much. And yeah, that, that didn't last long. It, um, I would say right around, yeah, probably 25, 26 of, saying yes way too much, trying to be way too ambitious. Um, even where I was at with Organic Valley and I was working a ton, I was commuting a ton. And that's where I think I really started to realize like I had hit kind of a, a slump and a part of like, oh man, we talk about that cup or it was pretty much always empty. I wasn't able to go to the gym. I wasn't able to, to find peace in my mornings because I was always just go, 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 go. And I mean, I'm still pretty go, 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 but not nearly as, right? It's, it's waning, I promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you are devoting energy to things that energize you, mm -hmm. I think it's much more sustainable. Yes. It's, it's when they're things that are draining you mm -hmm. that it becomes unsustainable. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes it's really hard to notice the things that are draining you. Right? True. They're the things that like are, are a fire that constantly needs to be put out, right? So we're we're just trying to fixate on like completing it. Yeah, it's so it's definitely taken a lot of reflection back. Yeah. I'm also really fascinated when you're talking about this balance between creative fulfillment and um accomplishing the thing the high, more high level things that you're trying to do and uh the fulfillment that comes with that. And particularly because that is a conversation Ben and I have an awful lot. So we have a seven-person marketing team. He is the executive director. I report to him. So we spend a lot of time in administration, people, mm -hmm. 
uh, business development mode, mm-hmm. and he's a designer and I'm a writer. So mm-hmm. it, we're creative people spending a lot of our time not in a creative space mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. constantly having conversations about um, how we can get more people in that creative space and you know really functioning to a high level Mm -hmm. uh when i think at at least for me and i won't speak for ben but at my core there's a voice in my head that says but also i I think i'd rather just do that That, that's a lot more fun for me than Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. uh meeting meeting with employees to talk about performance (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As you ascend higher, yeah, and you kind of get further away from the actual like creation of the good mm-hmm. and the work that's being done. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I understand that feeling of yeah having to step back and of like even for simple things of um, I have students or interns that will help me with creating assets for us to post on social and and it's really hard for me sometimes not to want to get in there and like oh let me cut this up and sync and oh I'd arrange it this way. Right. Nope. I'm helping. I'm helping them grow right now. Become the where again, it would be way more fun for me to spend 45 minutes doing that. But it's like, oh, nope, I should probably be budgeting or I should probably be doing something with taxes or (laughs) stuff that isn't super, super fun. Yeah. Grading papers on time. (laughs) That too. (laughs) So speaking of your students. I'm really mm-hmm. interested in the mm-hmm. time that you've been working uh, with marketing students at Viterbo. Mm-hmm. What do you think, and this could, maybe this is a tough question, maybe it's an easy question. What would you say is the most important lesson somebody learning marketing in school needs to know before they go out to the workforce? Wow, that is a really good question. Yeah. I, gosh, I'm trying to think of the things that are just popping into my mind. I think, gosh, for some reason, the word that I'm um, coming up to so far is like having confidence. Maybe more so and not just in our abilities and skills, but making sure that if you are coming up with an idea, if you're coming up with a strategy, if you're right? Making a social media campaign, right? You've done the research that that validates your thoughts and ideas. And I think a lot of times that what I've really had to introduce to students is like, yes, your ideas are great, but somebody above you is going to want to have proof that this idea is real, or they're going to they're gonna be detached from the media that you're working in. They're not going to know the platform, the algorithm, um, content preferences. They're not going to know consumption habits of the target market or the folks you're trying to reach to. So making sure that one, you're investing your time in school to really refine the tactical tasks of, you know, if it is copywriting, and it's also too becoming aware of things that are coming to kind of help and hinder us, right, with AI, right? Mm -hmm. That's something this semester that I've really seen kind of change the way I teach. I've been kind of referring it to as um, AI is almost like, I feel like uh, alcohol to underagers, right? Where it's something that I don't want to hold away and put as this like big, scary thing that you better not touch until like you're old enough to be able to handle it. (laughs) Um, But really, yeah, having like seeing this as a tool for, for opportunity and inspiration, 
but really yeah so having the confidence and i've tried the thing i've done the homework i've done the research i know what i'm talking about and then having confidence in your idea like right if if we're in this like if you think it's something good i i i, I see especially with students that are coming through now right, we have kind of some of the, the post repercussions of COVID, of online teaching, right, where there's a lot of two, even just simply creating dialogue in class, it's, it's really, really tough, right? We don't have the confidence to speak up, we're not familiar with, we, we also see like the negative impacts of social media that has had like mm -hmm. uh, this population or group, right? We're bombarded with uh, images, thoughts, feelings of how we should be like there's this group definitely I think is is really in an interesting space of how they've been affected. So I guess from my ramble and rant and my <laughs> moment of reflection, I think it's that piece of yeah, just trying to to be sure of yourself and your ideas and and having the research to back it. Yeah, that has to be it has to be much harder for a young marketer mm -hmm. to come out into a space where it's sort of Maybe in the last, I don't know, in my personal experience, five to 10 years, we've suddenly realized, oh, you're not, uh, you know, if you're marketing for a business, you're not just, your competition is not just the other business that does the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's Coke, it's Nike, it's Adidas, which apparently is how you say that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's everybody. Now, now my competition, you know, particularly when we're talking social media, online ads, things like that, um, my competition has a ton more money, more resources, more capacity. And now suddenly I think it would be tempting for someone to look at someone coming first into the field to look at that and say, well, I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to. I didn't come up with the next got milk or mm -hmm. just do it or whatever it was today. Mm -hmm. So I'm a failure as a marketer. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, right. Our competition isn't just the brands we're competing with, but it's the, the meme pages, the, mm -hmm. the influencers mm -hmm. who are, you know, portraying this ideal self that our target market wants to be that like is really creating relevant and valuable um, content. Right. And it's, it's really interesting how we've seen, you know, like our message or our marketing definition, creating and communicating a uh, message of value, right? Understanding that like the way that brands can express value too has changed so much over the last, I mean, especially the last 10 to 15 years where it's no longer just, you know, this product is going to help you with problem A, B, and C, but also like, hey, we're we're not only a brand, but we're a person and we know what your morning routine is like and we know the products mm -hmm. that you're using and we know the people that you're going to to get inspiration, to get hacks, tutorials, things along those lines. And it's really, there's a, I think it's kind of a cliche where we talk about like this marketing on social where, you know, we're at a cocktail party where we're tossing up ideas, we're offering topics and it's become so much less about, I mean, really casual brand and product awareness versus like the strict, you know, peer mm -hmm. vibes because our our audiences are becoming so inundated and really numb to to sales messages. So having to be really thoughtful and creative about that value. And it really is also too just like a simplification. Yeah. You um 
you briefly touched on AI. And by the way, I love the alcohol analogy. That's <laughs> one that I hadn't really heard before. But I mean, we've all heard the horror stories, right, of people that, you know, were really kind of like shielded from it growing up. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they turn 21 and holy smokes, they don't right. know, you know, <laughs> what it is, what to do with it, how to, you know, all that. So um, totally can see the same thing happening with AI, right? Like um, if you completely ignore it or you're shielded from it when you do need to use it, you know, it can probably feel a little bit like crack and like, I just need to use chat GPT for everything. So yeah, I, I, I had one example this previous semester of a student got in a pinch. They weren't putting enough time into their final presentation or their final report, had never used chat GPT, had heard about it. It was kind of like, oh, this is godsend to like help me in this moment. But really what ended up happening is it's, I mean, if, I'm sure you've used it before and we understand that it's, it, it's pretty, um, it's pretty easy to identify if you've seen it in enough time, like in terms of formatting the sentence structure and the student had gone up and gotten a chat GPT output for their final presentation where, I mean, we have been working an entire semester on this project and they get up for the recommendations and it was extremely vague, had no applicability. And it was just like such a crash and burn where I was like, Oh, Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> like it could have helped us along the way to start piecing some of those conversations together. But right. yeah, where we see that all eggs in the basket. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it did not always end well. Yeah. Well, I feel like as prominent as AI has been in our world uh, yeah. as of late, um, we probably say this almost every episode. We could have another whole episode on AI, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. So <laughs> to awkwardly move us along. Sure. Um, <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the big projects we're working on this year is writing a book about purpose and marketing and coming from Viterbo, the mm -hmm. only university in the nation, at least that we're aware of, that offers a master's degree in servant leadership. Mm -hmm. I imagine that your purpose is something you've considered over the years. What would you say is your purpose for doing what you do? Boy. We're all about the big, deep. Questions. Yeah, we no, don't. We no. don't. We're not going to big exhale here. Yeah, we're not making it easy on you today, John. <laughs> what, is, what is my purpose? Just tell us the purpose of life while you're yeah, at it. I just mean... why? We're just saying why. Oh, man, I would say <laughs> for me, just through the lens of I guess Viterbo and um, being a professor, is um, I had mentioned when I first came to Viterbo, I really didn't have an idea of who or what I was trying to become. I'd left a really big school. I was a pretty small fish. I hadn't really found my people. And I came to, to a school and I was like, oh, I get to be whoever I want, right? I didn't really know. I didn't really embrace who I was versus like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do what I need to to fit in. And I got caught up in a lot of really bad just kind of habits and groups and just was not embracing or accepting of myself at all. And I had a few professors here that not only noticed that I wasn't showing up as myself, but also had saw some of the really big kind of uh, ripple effects that that had caused for me, right? I was really living in an authentic life. I wasn't super happy. I had had like a pretty hard time for a little while. Um, I had lost my community. I was just not in a good space. And I had people here <clears throat> who rose up and just did simple things like um, I wasn't eating a ton right? I, I was so distracted with everything else that was kind of imploding in my work and, or in my life and 
I had a professor who would bring me like to our, our uh, Monday night classes would bring me a meal, right? Like would slide me a sandwich, would do what she could just to like offer that that olive branch. I had professors who taught me how to to meditate and to contemplate because I didn't know how to process and figure out. And I also had people to kind of shake me and be like, hey, you've got potential, you've got ability, you've got skill, you're not in a space mentally, physically to embrace that, but it's kind of like a reminder of like, I still have the reins. So I had a lot of mentorship. I had a lot of just really people here that are still here that I work alongside of now that I guess were, uh, yeah, they were uh, a life raft when I didn't really know that I needed one. So being able to go back to a spot and for those folks that are really struggling or like I see the potential in helping, um, obviously I can't solve all their problems. I can't, I can't grab the reins, but it really, really helps me. I've again, like we talk about that intrinsic, like good piece. Like when I see somebody who is going through similar things, like on different scales and different sizes, like being a resource, not that I ever want to be like a parent and say like, you need to clean up your act, but it, I can provide those tools and say like, Hey, I see, I notice, like maybe we try to like incorporate or get those skills back. So I think for me, it's definitely about the growth. It's definitely about, um, and also too, like I, I feel like I just need to give back and to, to have a job where I can make an impact. I can brighten somebody's day. I can help them grow and start creating a path forward for themselves. Like I had people do for me is really just kind of what keeps me here in this role and position. That's awesome. I love the reciprocity of it, right? Like that your, your desire to give back. That's, that's pretty cool. And the fact that you're delivering on it. So kudos to you, man. It's, yeah. It's, it's hard to find work that makes you feel good. I mean, there's a lot of days where it's like, do I want to get up and teach an 8am, but then hear the little bubbles of conversation in classroom. And I see the excitement in somebody telling me about their uh, bowling competition or like just, yeah, just being a person for somebody else. So it feels very good. And, and it sounds like it, uh, it really scratches sort of that itch that marketing itch of connecting with people, finding the oh, thing that yes. uh, that will connect with them, that will uh, influence or, you know, help them in their life. And mm -hmm. it's an extension maybe for you, right? Absolutely. Of that connection. Yeah. yeah. Marketing and the marketing I teach gets to be kind of, um, it's clearly like the main outcome, but everything else is like a really positive uh, product of all that work too like yes I love totally nerding out about about trends and catching attention and making you know very good uh immersive lectures but yeah at the end of the day for me yeah it's it's a connection piece I feel really good when I'm able to connect and doing it through something that comes instinctively and kind of natural to me right I, I would say that as much as I am chaotic but also I do have a very like systematic or at least the way I see things, I don't know, like, um, like there are things that just make sense to me, but mm -hmm. math equations, definitely not, but <laughs> systems, how things work together, what feeds what to get what, what, what stone can I throw to make the splash to make a ripple that hits mm -hmm. here? Like those things like sequentially make sense for me and marketing just in that way kind of clicked. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like I'm going to do this, which will hopefully get people to do this, which in return will give us this, like that domino, that sequential kind of thing makes sense to me. Yeah. I, that I, Yes. And I think uh, there are definitely people outside, uh, outside of the marketing world that would look at that and that those sequences, mm-hmm. they are harder for them to imagine. That, that that it's not this simple, we do this, you know, you mentioned that thing, the sales ad, we create a sales ad, people get so excited because, I don't know, because our price is really good. And that mm-hmm. does the thing, mm-hmm. right? And that's the sequence uh, yeah. I think people understand. But, you know, when when you do have maybe a mind that pulls back further than that and say, oh, you know, here are, there are multiple steps to this thing this is a relationship not a transaction mm-hmm. and yeah yeah absolutely bringing us back to that sandbox sandbox analogy right that we marketers get to play in and you know maybe test and experiment and have some mm-hmm. fun I, I like the it's just all about the analogies today and the the, <laughs> the throwing the stone and creating the ripples you know because that can be calculated that can be oh. part of a system even though absolutely. you're not throwing the rock at an exact target but you're throwing it somewhere that you know the ripples will affect the thing that you're trying to do you know and that's mm-hmm. I, I can totally see how that is inspirational and empowering and things like that to folks like us that can think and see that um, and I can also see how it could be incredibly frustrating to someone who's like no I want the four-step plan for how you're going to put an ad out there and it's going to sell my thing you know what I mean right. which yes. sometimes just does not exist Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely de- devil's advocate side of like, yes, good idea, but where's yeah. the structure? Where are the deliverables? What are the outcomes and expectations? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, true, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that 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 chance kind of lights the inner thrill seeker of me of like, oh, we get to try something, we see. Like, I don't always know what the ripple will be, but I have mm-hmm. a good, good feeling, or at least from what I've learned and what I've seen, it'll be a good good outcome. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I like I always like to think of it as like the puzzle of the thing. How am I mm-hmm. going to how do I solve this complex equation that is not just numbers but involves suddenly we're bringing people into an equation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people's reactions to things. It's yeah. Yep, I'm That's currently fun. We're, we're teaching this or this week and I'm teaching a principles of marketing course this semester. And we're just really diving into consumer behavior. And, mm-hmm. and that is one of my favorites, one of my favorite chapters or at least pieces to talk about because we are so complex and we are oftentimes, you know, the way we think or would expect to act is nowhere near how we really do. And it's really fun to get the students now to like reflect backwards and say like, oh yeah, well, why did you buy that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I keep probing with the why, why, but why, but yeah. why? And I get so many of like the stop and thought and well, I didn't really think about it like that. And I'm like, yeah, we don't usually. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, we are, we are coming to an end here, John. We're coming near the end. But before we move into our wrap up, what are other things? I guess this is a good spot for plugs. This is a ham-handed way to do it. Uh, our transitions are terrible. but. <laughs> What are other things that you're involved in? What are things you want people to know about, get a, get connected to, mm-hmm. um, anything like that? 
Yeah, I would, um, I guess I'm just going to steal this moment and um, invest or use it for some of my own personal hobbies and passions. I think my, my nerdiest things that I really enjoy, which, you know, I think more people would find joy in and could invest in without even having to do a bunch of input is uh, native plant species and uh, native uh, pollinator gardens and restoration. In terms of like keeping me sane and keeping my cup filled and providing myself an outlet of like joy and inspiration, I love my garden and I love, um, I have a little two acre plot that I'm, uh, we're working, my partner and I are working to restore and create a native prairie. And I can't express the amount of joy, happiness that I get. Like I think about the two people that I want to make proud of my life is, you know, my eight-year-old self and my 80-year-old self. But that eight-year-old self was a total dork and loved bug <laughs> and loved the crick in my backyard. And he is so happy when I get home from the end of the day and I can wander back there and I can see, you know, the swallowtail butterfly that's coming through or a hawk moth. And, and, um, and it's and it's such a beautiful activity to like ground myself in the moment too because every time that I go out there on my bee balm, you know what little bug is buzzing. Um, I'm very anti grass and very anti lawn, and I wish more people could get you know a few, just a tiny little bed in your front yard or in your backyard, and like have the nice little routine of well, what's out there today? What what am I? Uh, contributing or adding to the world around me because yeah it's it's a really silly thing but I think back to like what I'm most excited about is now spring is coming and and all my my buds are going to start popping up and I encourage everybody as much as we can to like take off your socks and walk in the backyard and and just and have a moment of you know leave the phone inside and yeah just remind yourself we're a part of something way bigger and that is you know and, and you can find those ties by being well at Viterbo, one of our core values is stewardship. Be a good steward. Connect yourself to the world around you, and as much as we can get lost, right? I'm I'm constantly in this like sphere of business and this kind of you know mm-hmm. structure that we've created. But also, yeah, like find a little thing that's gonna get you outside. That's gonna help you connect and see your impact, and not just I mean like our societal realm or lens, but also just to to. The natural world around us. That's one of my big, big, big favorites. John, listen here. <laughs> I, I, you don't know it, but uh, you're never now. You're going to be bothered by me for a long time. I have a quarter acre. Yes, it is. Uh, only it's fifty percent landscaped grass, mm-hmm. and it. And that landscaped grass is only 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So in my head, it would be super simple for me to let it revert to prairie. Like it would, I think about 50% of it, if I just stopped mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing and let it and made sure it had water, yeah. it, within two years, it would be its own thing. You would be surprised how, yeah. uh, and that's just in it too is, um, yeah, I've only lived at my home for, for three years and where it's been to where it is now by, you know, stopping mowing, like the things that have just been hiding dormant, mm-hmm. like underwords that have just popped up out of nowhere. And that's, and that's such a fun surprise too, because it's like every spring, like what's going to show up. But yes, I, I will send you seeds. I will. I'll oh gosh, you. please. <laughs> yes, I love I'm it. Totally encouraged. Yeah. There's a great resource. Um, 
the Prairie Moon Nurseries uh, in Minnesota has like a beautiful little uh, catalog that one of my dear friends puts together, but awesome plants that are all locally uh, collected. And yes, definitely, um, please feel free to reach out. You're I'm my guy for expert, that. Okay. But I will try my best. And if okay. I don't know, I'll connect you to people who will. But it is, yeah, okay. it's totally worth it. Love it. Okay. Well, now I've gotten something that I really needed out of this conversation. We can <laughs> <laughs> we can we can wrap up now, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a very nice segue to our something awesome segment. John kind of got the jump on it. So if you have another one, that's okay. But this is where we wrap the show up talking about uh, recommendations, something we've seen, heard, or experienced that we want to share with the world. So we've already got uh, we got a jump start on No Mo May here. We know what's going on. So this is perfect. Um, but I'll, I'll kick us off by this. Uh, I'll, we'll share a link to a cool article about um, how the NFL during the Super Bowl uh, leaned on some solar energy to power uh, the big event, right? So um, Allegiant uh stadium the new las vegas raiders stadium that was built a few years ago and it's now now hosted the super bowl this year it was uh 100 solar powered the whole event that happened at the stadium which you know obviously massive sporting event lots of people lots of power um not only like the construction of the building um and how it uh is powered by a really efficient roof that makes air conditioning uh, less uh um you know, less of a burden for a building of its size and everything. And then on top of it, all of it being powered by something like 600,000 solar panels, just like amazing to think of the scale of that, but um, pretty cool for an event like that to be, you know, powered uh, by the sun. So um, the link shares a whole bunch of other geeky data and uh, talks about how it was all made possible and everything. But I think um, just a cool example of how something that, you know, traditionally has probably been a huge resource suck, right? <laughs> for uh, forever and ever, whether it's electricity or water or whatever, um, to show that while it might not be perfect yet, you know, there's at least steps being taken to make some of those things less of a um, invasion on the earth's resources and stuff. So it's just a really cool, cool story there. So we'll share the link to that if anyone wants to geek out on how it was all made possible. Yes. Well, and and thank God it kept Taylor Swift cool, which was really exactly what we were all very most worried important. about. Yeah, yeah. They were initially flawless. thinking, yeah, they were thinking five hundred solar, five hundred thousand solar panels. But then when they heard she was going to be like, okay, let's install some more. We want to make sure the AC doesn't break down. <laughs> She's in her cool era right now, and so we need to keep her where she needs to be. Wonderful, <laughs> John. Do you have another one? I guess I um that was on my list of homework to do was to find something <laughs> specific, but now I'm like, oh shoot. But um <laughs> on topic of what you're talking about, I was just thinking about what are good things that are happening in my world, what brands am I still proud to to support and be a part of? And I mentioned Organic Valley. Um, you know, there's a huge argument a lot of the times when I, I remember um even just working our customer service, why I pay so much more for milk, right? We see it. And dairy in general is a really volatile market, but the work that they're doing now and continue to have been doing for the last um, over 20 years that they've been together um, as a cooperative, they're doing a ton. Uh, they just made an announcement um, working with organic dairy farmers to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Um, they're doing a ton of projects to make sure that they're competing or com keeping families on their farms. Um, right, We're seeing a 
huge um, shift in the market just from dairy production and our um, we're losing so, so many family farms and they're yeah. doing incredible work. And every dollar that goes towards that cooperative, you know, spending a little bit extra for my heavy whipping cream um, for my milk, for my other, my cheese and other things that my Wisconsin heart just needs so dearly. <laughs> um, they're an incredible company that's doing a lot of really good work that I really owe a lot of my professional kickoff from. Um, and I would say even just checking out their their news and their articles, um, they were just in the New York Times, or excuse me, um, uh, uh, they were in New York, uh, I'm trying to remember, Times Square, they did a takeover. Um, we're doing a little look in my class later on this week about what they had done and the awareness that they're creating. So they're a really cool brand that's doing a lot of really uh, inspiring work. One of my dearest friends and greatest mentors, uh, Jacqueline Carden, is the um, uh, the VP of marketing there. And I look up to her so often. And she's really, as I look at somebody who's doing work that's making a big splash, I would check out um, all the exciting things that they're doing right now. Nice. Well, and because they're a cooperative, we we come from credit union people. So mm -hmm. we are all on board with that cooperative model and what that can do to help people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Well, I'm going to switch gears and get us over to uh, a little Disney Plus action here oh, yeah. and something I would recommend. Um, particularly if you are Gen X, but maybe, you know, maybe you guys should watch it just because it's good. Uh, it's good homework for dealing with people like me. Uh, <laughs> um, we, my husband and I came across a, it's an older documentary, it turns out, um, but it was uh, originally, uh, I think originally History Channel documentary. Um, but it's available on Disney Plus right now. It's called X, the Generation That Changed the World. Mm. And there's multiple different episodes going through sort of different facets of the experience of Gen X growing up and sort of where some of the where some of the attitude um, around politics and music and, mm -hmm. you know, just some of those formative mm. things that happened and uh the the very first episode, which I think probably was very carefully crafted to appeal to Gen X, they spent a lot of time talking about Nirvana, mm -hmm. personal favorite of mine, uh, <laughs> and uh, it just really excellent, really well done. Not um, and not precious about uh, about nostalgia, but a, a really good, sensible look at the conditions of the world, what people were reacting to. And so definitely would recommend X, the generation that changed the world available on Disney plus near you. Oh, that's <laughs> a, I will definitely check that out because, you know, we even just see when I talk about target markets in class, right? We talk about the millennials, we talk about Gen Z and we talk about the baby boomers, right? Mm. But this, this Gen X. So oftentimes like they're, they're a little bit more difficult to describe, right? But a lot of people are like, is it my parents? Are they, you know, right? So, and really just like a population of people. I mean, the first group to have, you know, a mom going to work or to have single mm -hmm. parents and how all of this has influenced a lot of, yeah. So I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. And I, I think the reason, you know, we, we sort of refer to ourselves as this forgotten generation, mm -hmm. but it might be more accurate 
to to think about ourselves as uh, the generation that pioneered looking at generations the way we do and mm-hmm. looking at those demographics. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy, you know, it was such a focus, I think, for Gen X to say, well, how can we get how can we get our parents to get along with our, you know, people our kids age in the workplace or, you know, all of these things. How can we talk to these people? Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of overlooked ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And someday soon we'll retire and you won't have to worry about us and that'll be fine. (laughs) We'll have to worry about you just in another way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Check on us and things. Make sure we're buying groceries and not eating cat food. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, John, so much for being with us. This was a great conversation. And you will yeah. hear from me again, definitely, because you're going to hear all about my yard. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I will send pictures. I will, Excellent. I will give you my top 10 needs to have for, for plant species and what are the, yeah, the prettiest and the most exciting and are going to draw in the, the coolest bugs. You will, you will definitely hear. <laughs> love it. Love it. And thank you to everyone listening as always. Um, thank you for joining us. You can always catch up with us on your favorite podcast app or by finding all of our episodes at our blog at exclamationcuso.com slash blog. Thanks, Sue. Thanks again, John. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Be awesome, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. The Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell.